Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Data-Driven Security Podcast. Hi, welcome to episode 25 of the Data-Driven Security Podcast. My name is Jay Jacobs and joining me is Bob Rudis. Bob, what do we have on store today? Jay, today I am going to deliberately con our listeners. <laughs> That's a wonderful play on words. Could you go more into that? Well, so you know, it's the beginning of the year. It's a chance for folks to, you know, plan for what they're going to do this year. I know some folks in organizations probably had to do some of that planning last year, you know, for budgetary. Pro- yeah, but if you actually did your budgets well enough and you've got some some buffer in there, we're going to give you today a smorgasbord of cybersecurity, information security, risk metrics etc. conferences that you might want to consider attending. And we're not just limiting it to the colonies, you know, so us over here in the States. Um, I've broadened our our, our search and we, we've got some interesting conferences and, and symposiums in some other parts of the world that folks may want to consider attending. So I hope folks will see this. And when we get to that point, uh, remember that you don't need to jot all that stuff down as you're listening to us banter. We'll have links and stuff available for this at, at, at the end of the show on the, on, on the, on the show notes podcast part well that'll be fun i know i know you've got a couple of things on your calendar and there's a couple of things on mine so we can talk about where we're going to be and where where people should be in general for some of these things absolutely you know but before we do that jay um i i again i think people know that you now work at bitsight uh you know as opposed to working at verizon on, on the dbir just like i work at rapid seven as opposed to working at verizon on the dbir um and and you've actually got a uh a paper out, a report out from, from BitSight towards the end of the year last year, didn't you? Yeah, it's called the BitSight Insights Report. And uh, what we try to do is grab, you know, some piece of research, something that's interesting and, and pull it together. And of course, you know, I mean, it is a mix of marketing, uh, but it's always got some element of research behind it. Yeah, I, I think you uh, actually you managed to work with a ton of data, which was all kinds of awesome. Yeah, um, it's 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 actually t- uh, data related to security and and torrents, and I know I know a lot about I think both, and also uh, I I get to poke a little fun at you for some things that I actually weren't really even part of your control in the report, right. but that really set off my OCD about a couple of things. But, but we won't jump into those right away. Let, right. Let, let's actually talk about some of the data that you worked. Yeah, with. so the data I worked with it was kind of fun. Um, one of the things that, that BitSight does is they collect uh, as much data as they can get their hands on uh, around different avenues. And one of those is watching uh, BitTorrent file, you know, peer-to-peer file transfers. And uh, first... Like you actually download torrents, Jay? Like what kinds of torrents well, do you download? So I, I don't. Like I actually had to learn more about the, the BitTorrent protocol and, and how these things work to do this study. So I, I didn't know anything about it. Uh, which says a lot about my character, right? That's a good thing. Well, sort of. I mean, you also didn't read any of the things we post on our website. That means too, but uh, right. Well, let's stick to uh, you know this particular topic. <laughs> the uh, so one of the things we had a question of you know how is malware being distributed in peer-to-peer file sharing, and so for that we decided to actually take the plunge and download things and test them, and uh, so we downloaded. Uh, we were shooting for. I think 500 applications and less games. There, there were fewer games out there. So we downloaded, I think, just under 250 games and just under 500 applications we ended up with. And so we ran all of those through 
a rather popular online virus scanning tool that uses multiple different virus scanners to try and pick out what's a virus or not. And uh, one really cool exercise is that I started to evaluate uh, the, the quality of different scanners to see if there were some scanners that I wanted to outline. Now we couldn't, we can't talk about that. Our, you know, the agreement with that particular service is that we don't talk about any, you know, individualization of scanners or, you know, bad, they don't want you to badmouth people. Um, and so it was just interesting though, looking at the analysis of how different uh, AV vendors will rate different software. And there were a couple that stood out as outliers that probably were giving some false positives. Uh, and so accounting for that, we ended up roughly, it was pretty interesting, about four out of 10, two out of five, two out of five, both applications and games came up with malware. So you didn't actually look at movies or any, any media files. It was strictly just executables. Right, the executables. Okay. And I figured cool. that the for the media files, they're probably much more difficult to carry malware like that. So actually that's so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that maybe on, on a future episode, but the, it's, uh, Whenever there is like a VLC, a VideoLAN uh, player vulnerability, you'll see an actual rise, an uptick in the malicious like MP4s and other types of file types that it can read. Interesting. Because they actually, you know, they're 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 targeting the most vulnerable people or the most seedy people that actually grab these kinds of things. So it's it's actually right. pretty interesting altogether. So that's why I was pretty intrigued by by knowing that you were going to be studying this and putting a report out about it because like there's all sorts of cool things around this that people can take a look at. Yep. And what else is interesting? I mean, there there was other research. On that and it was probably what three four years ago and it came up with about 27 percent malware and uh, so it was nice to update that and one thing when I visualized this I did not include the uh, confidence interval around that but that's why I said roughly 40 percent or two out of five of these because the confidence interval on these two are overlapping uh, meaning that we can't really say applications actually came out to 43 percent games at 38 almost 39 percent uh, and even though applications is higher, since they're overlapping and because our sample size was just under 250 for games, they had a wider confidence interval. So they, they were overlapping. So we can't actually say they're different. So that's why I was just... Now, if, now, if, if one were in you know typical cybersecurity media, just like political media... Yeah, they would potentially report that one thing was better than another because of this. But you know, this is the data-driven security podcast, and right. that's a great point. That you know, like it's really important to look at the uncertainty around things and communicate that properly, and not jump to conclusions because you're making erroneous statements if you actually don't do that. So I think that's a great thing to point. Yeah, out. I mean, there's what a four and a half percent difference between applications and games and what we measured. Uh, but if we're going to try and infer about every application and every game out there, we can actually say that applications occur more frequently than games. So, so besides that, Jay, what was your favorite, I guess, part of the report or analysis? So the other thing, since since BitSight works with uh, IP addresses of entities, we're able to correlate uh, BitTorrent usage, peer-to-peer file sharing usage, with other data points, and so we we're able to look at companies that have. Uh, BitTorrent activity and correlate that to other things such as the botnet infections and things like that. Yeah, actually, we, we, we should probably just define, like you said, entity, and you, you kind of segued into that it's an organization, but you, you, you have folks that spend a great deal of time ensuring that you can identify an IP address or domain name or any of the other things associated with a particular organization. So when you say entity, it's you know you actually can you know with with a, a certain level of confidence say this IP address is actually associated with this org, and that therefore we can say that this was actually occurring at this particular right. org. Yeah, that's what we do. 
Um, that's a that's a good definition there. Um, and so the the we have a figure in the in the insights report on figure two where we looked at the correlation between the and we tried to normalize it to employee count and and it's one of the challenges actually within security data like this when you, when we get data what are we going to normalize it by because obviously there's going to be you know when you're comparing a, a, a shop with ten people to a shop with ten thousand people. The amount of botnets, the amount of everything is going to be greater in the bigger one, right? So we want to normalize that to some kind of measurement of size. Uh, An employee count seems to be a good one for both of these since they're both somewhat driven by employees. Uh, So so we created a a figure in there that we're looking the uh, peer-to-peer file sharing activity against the botnet infections, and they're both normalized by employee if you look at this figure, uh, I see like extremely high correlation. Like this is, you know, this is like the poster child for really good correlation. It's, I think the R value is uh, the Pearson's coefficient is what that's called, uh, measuring correlation. I think it's about a 0.7. And that ranges from a negative one to being perfectly negative uncorrelated to a one of being perfectly correlated. And a 0.7, 0.75, I think it might be, is, is a really strong, strong correlation when you're dealing with really messy and noisy data like this. Uh, and so it's really nice to see that. And I think when other people look at this and they haven't been working with correlation, they'll say, oh, that's that's pretty. And they may not realize that. Yeah, actually, I, I, I thought it was a great uh, map of the energy signature of one of the Covenant Elite um, <laughs> swords in Halo. So Yes, it is not that. But do you recognize the colors in it, Bob? It's the Viridis color scheme, and I'm assuming you used R and the Viridis package that I, I helped write? Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. So thanks, Bob, for contributing to this research. My my, my pleasure, Jane. And and actually, um, when I read the report, I, I think I, I hit you up on DM or I, whatever because I, I was literally stunned that these were organizations that were down, you know, there were people in organizations like work networks that were able to BitTorrent stuff out of their work network. Um, and, yeah. and whether I've just been at orgs where things have been locked down enough or have been in charge of you know, orgs so that we can't, you know, make, making sure things were locked down enough, um, that there was actually any file sharing activity of things like this occurring at orgs was the first thing that just stunned me. And I, and I know I shouldn't be that naive, but, but, but I guess that I was. Um, and, but, and, but then just being able to, to see and have an understanding of that through, through, through the graphic, I think was, was a great thing. So folks should pick it up just so they, they, they can show folks this and this, this graphic and part of, and I guess the rest of the report is a great thing to take to your manager, whoever, if you're trying to get BitTorrent shut down and go, guys, sh- shut BitTorrent down. Take a look, please here. Yeah. I mean, that, that figure too is a great justification for shutting down BitTorrent. But, you know, to be fair, Bob, BitTorrent does have valid, uh, professional usage, Right, there are people using BitTorrent and peer-to-peer file sharing for uh, proper and justifiable purposes. Oh, so you mean like the RAA and MPAA using it to nail people that are torrenting and make money off of it? Probably, yeah. There you go. Uh, I meant more like as a file distribution mechanism, but you know, however okay. you want to spin that, you just feel free. So I think uh, we could talk about one more graphic, and that's Figure Three. Well, I'm I'm trying to actually get to Figure Three, Jay, but I I have to tell you. There, as folks re- read the report, first you're going to get scared the minute you open the report because there's this really scary poison skull crossbones graphic, <laughs> and then then you see it occur on every page, and 
and as I was following it through, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. They're actually going to every section they're going to and then they actually don't move it to the same distance for every section. The number of dots per section gets all screwy and stuff, too. So I, I was really excited by that. And then my OCD was like, oh, my gosh, I can't, I can't even stare at this thing anymore. You're talking about the little skull. That's yeah, the little in the skull dots. and crossbones that moves across the dots. Yeah. yeah. Like on the, everyone those, will see this when they look at it. I believe those are arbitrary. And it was just sort of a cute thing that I think went into the report by uh, our marketing folks. Who do a great job, by the way. Oh, they do. It's just, yeah, I mean, they, they just totally messed with my OCD. That's yep. all. So. Yes, they, they definitely did that for you. So you wanted to talk about the figure three on one of the next pages, yeah. Yeah, and this, again, is getting into confidence intervals because what I wanted to do was look at, to your point, like you would expect most organizations to have a handle on it. And so maybe we could see uh, industries that, uh, have a better handle, also have you know more security consciousness or security maturity, or however you want to call that. So I decided to plot out the proportion of entities within an, within an industry that we track. And, and we track literally tens of thousands of, of entities, and so this is a pretty good sample. Uh, but so looking at across industries, like education is obviously at the highest one because there's, even though education institutions may uh, try to, to block, some of them do block it, not all of them do, and a lot of them have it wide open. And so education is clearly at the top of the list. Second up is tourism and hospitality, and I imagine that's home users. Uh, oh, by the way, I didn't include ISPs in here, and so we're, ISPs were right up there with education. So we would see uh, essentially home users, uh, college students, education institutions, the, the two highest on the list. And then third, I think, was hospitality. And that's mainly people traveling, being on a hotel network and things like that. Also, uh, surfing and doing things inappropriate, and so it shows up there. What's interesting, the next one on the list is the government, government slash politics. And uh, that's a little surprising, I think. Well, especially given all of the controls that are supposed to be put in place at various government agencies. Now, is this, this isn't limited, like, BitSight tracks you know, government stuff outside of the United States, though, right? Yes. All right. So, so there, the, this could be configurations outside the U.S. I'm not saying that every U.S. government agency, you know, department network is configured appropriately, but there are there are some serious guidelines that they're supposed to put in place and have to attest to. So, I, I would right. I would be very shocked if this was all the U.S. here. And that's, I mean, really, honestly, it's somewhere between 25 and 30 percent. So, less than a third uh, of these entities had some kind of activity. And this is over, I think, a six-month period. The the interesting thing um, here is how how widespread this is. I mean, education was sort of a duh, but everything else is still how widespread, especially given there's a whole number of services out there that you can use to hide what you're doing from a BitTorrent perspective. And it either, it either means that people aren't using them or they are using them and there's still a lot of stuff happening outside of that here too. So this is this is a pretty shocking and scary report just on top of that. I didn't want it to be shy. I didn't want it to be scary. I, I just wanted to report some of the data. So. Well, you you put the skull and crossbones in it, Jay. I mean, it had to be scary to a degree. <laughs> That's true. So uh, on the bottom of this chart though, just looking at the bottom, it's another interesting thing in the bottom. Finance is the lowest one uh, and then second to last is legal. And I think that the, the legal has an aspect of uh, a lot of this is not uh, above board data. Some of it is illegally copyrighted, things like that. I, I have a feeling that legal would have shot up like crazy if you had been looking at media files, but I, I won't go into that. But, well, yeah. without the limitation to non-media files was just that first part, Bob, just looking for viruses. Oh, okay. Oh, so this, so this is BitTorrent activity in general. Yes. 
Wow, I, I would have expected lawyers to be way more seedy in what they do, but that's that's interesting. No, no, they're they're very low. And and folks should really take a look at Figure Three. So I I don't get to see things from Jay anymore visualization wise until they come out. I used to as part of the obviously working together uh, or blog stuff you know was there, but I don't get to see these until the finished product comes out. And uh, one thing to take note from a, just a visualization perspective to maybe apply to your own, not not just the fact that, you know, like there's uncertainty associated with each of these things and it's communicated really well. So what you'll see are the the lines are communicated through the uncertainty. So it's just subtle enough, but there it's it, it's contiguous and it helps connect things together and it helps you be able to determine like the length of things really well. The dot helps you be able to compare things really well against each other. The just the, the whole thing is framed really well and doesn't suffer from a lot of the times when people are trying to communicate uncertainty this way. So I, Jay, I just thought you did a fabulous job on the visualization. So that brings us to the conferences part, which we set up at the beginning of the show. And you know, this is a smorgasbord. We're not covering every conference. Uh, we tried to make sure they were data-driven, uh, tried to make sure that they had a good coverage of cyber, but may not be completely focused on cyber. We will have links to other lists of conferences. So if you want to see more, go for it. And if you get upset that we missed your favorite conference here or one that you actually run, this is an invitation to come on our show, talk about it, you know, help folks understand what's data driven about it and and really be able to kind of showcase, you know, what you're doing to, you know, make this whole data driven security more prevalent in, in the rest of the cyber world that's out there. Uh, so the first one we're going to talk about, unfortunately, is already over. A few of these are already over. Yeah, a couple. Well, so that's that's the problem, right? You like there the, a lot of things happen at the beginning of the year in far warmer climates, some, some not so. Um, and last year, we, we actually had um, Jason Trostan to talk about FlowCon, and uh, he was at FlowCon this last time, so maybe we can get him to talk, talk about what happened there um, in, in a future episode. Uh, so we won't go into a whole lot of detail about FlowCon, but you can see, you know, this uh, uh, the when we post the links up there, they have all the proceedings that are uh, available that you can go see. And they've already, well, one thing I really love about these guys, they are so meticulous. They already know when the conference is going to happen again next year. So it's always in January. And next year, it's going to be January 9th through 12th. Uh, in 20, you know, obviously 2017 in San Diego, California. So if you do anything networky, right, anything related to networks, flow analysis, large scale things, um, I, I really think that this would be a great uh, conference for you to attend j just so you can hang with other people, see what's happening research wise, you know, just doing a, a lot of really interesting things in that, around that particular topic. Yeah. Jay, have you ever been to FlowCon? I haven't, no. It's something that that's been on my list of things to do, and, and and maybe now that you know things are settling down job wise, um, you know I could have this on the calendar for for next year, January 9th. and I I can put that in the budget right now. Uh, so ShmooCon. So neither one of us were at ShmooCon either again this year. No. And and there were a number of data driven topics at this one, and the really cool part about ShmooCon um, is that you can see everything right now. They've got the three live stream day events. Uh, available at schmoocon.org slash streaming, which we'll put, again, a link into there. Uh, well, you, can't, you can't see them now because it's over. No, but. the actual, you can see the recorded streaming. Oh, the recordings are out there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the recordings from the streaming are actually up there. And I think they actually carve them up into more manageable chunks over the course of time and, and let you, you know, kind of pick and choose what you want to go see from there. So uh, there, there were a few a uh, few talks that were data-driven, um, dealing a lot with malware-oriented stuff, which a lot of the data-driven stuff is doing that these days. Um, but that that's one that they always seem to have a really good time, and they find a really nice kind of, I, I think, mix. good good, yeah. good mix between 
between different topics. Yeah. So. Um, there's, I think the next one is the uh, the Advisin Cyber Risk Insights Conference. Now, again, this one's in February, coming in February 9th, and it's in London. But um, it has a, a couple sister conferences, at least one in the U.S. that you might be um, he- heading to this year too, right, Jay? I might. I, I haven't, uh, I don't know yet. Okay. Uh, but this is around like uh, risk and around insurance, uh, around regulation, um, th- there's a lot of that insurancy data analytics type things that actually occur here. Now, there's a lot of other policy and sort of like like snoozy businessy stuff that a lot of people might not want to want to go to. But if you're interested in in looking at that side of data driven security, right, looking at how to actually look at risks in your organization, um, how to know about insurance and cyber insurance and how that works with that and how you can deal with that, this, I think this is a good one to go to. You'll get exposed to some things that you might not normally get exposed to because you you might be working and just focus solely on your compliance tasks or your internal tasks with cyber and not deal with a lot of this stuff. But I, th- I think this is a good one to go to if you're interested in trying to take a, a little bit of a step in, into risk and hitting more of the businessy side of, of, of cyber. Yep. I, one of the next ones that we picked up, and some of these are kind of bunched up into February, uh, unfortunately, uh, but the NDSS symposium looked really interesting to me when, when I brought it up. Um, it's from the Internet Society. Uh, it's the Network and Distributed System Security Symposium. Uh, and it just seems to have a really nice mix of both, I would say, impractical academic focus and sort of a practical focus with it as well, too. Um, and the coolest part is they actually had the proceedings available and they don't cost anything. A lot of these, uh, uh, some conferences don't have any proceedings, not, not even like PowerPoints that come from there. Some make the proceedings available, but it costs you and many don't, don't have videos available. So it's great when they actually make those materials available. Uh, so if you got, yeah, if you have nothing else to do in February, you know, 21st to 24th, it's probably much warmer in California than it's going to be, you know, where many of our listeners hail from. So it might not be a bad place to go to. And then right after that, we've got the RSA conference coming up that uh, I'm going to be at and Bob you're going to be there yes I, I was a little reticent to to stick this on there from a data driven perspective because uh, not <laughs> everything there it's a it's a very vendor driven conference and not necessarily data driven but they they have in the past few years tried to you know intersperse you know some data driven topics through there and the, we we do have a lot of folks that have been on the podcast who are going to be doing talks there and data and you know, they're, they're data driven talks so I kind of felt like we had to put that up there because they're making another effort again this year to to really kind of do that and we might as well talk about the the one that you and I are doing together with uh, Wade Baker and Alex Pinto. Yes, that so this one this one may be the most data driven talk at the conference. <laughs> I I was going to say tongue in cheek, but that, uh, that may well, it's it's still data driven. Even though that there may not be any useful data coming out of it to anybody <laughs> to do in their daily jobs, I think the actual thing is going to be pretty interesting. Yeah. And and since they since I think RSA put up the talk um, already, so like it's not that it's not like we're re- revealing anything that no one knows. It's you were we basically took a look at all of the titles for the last well, how many years is it again? Twenty five years. Twenty five years. Wow, twenty five years of of RSA. That's hard to believe. Yeah. Um, and you know did a whole bunch of analyses on, on, on those. And I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of really fun things that come out of that. I think it'll be a good talk. It'll, it'll be fun. You know, it, it won't be uh, illuminating, I don't think. There might be some interesting bits in there, but it'll be more fun. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be. Anyone that, that goes is probably going to get a really good laugh, and, and that'll be really good, you know, because like, it'll be midweek. People will be tired, yeah. so it'll be kind of good for a yeah. laugh. Um, so the next one is... Uh, 
the the IEEE uh, Symposium on Security and Privacy, and like I'm going to lump two of them together, even though they're a couple months apart, because uh, there's if folks may may already attend the existing. Um, uh, it's actually the 37th, so the odds of like, we uh, the odds of us having a listener that's that's actually been or more than one that's actually attended is probably pretty good. Um, on uh, uh, on the IEEE Symposium of Security and Privacy, that's been going on for a while. There's some really good content that comes out of there, and unfortunately, um, it tends to be paywalled. Some of it, some of it isn't, some of it is, so it's hard to actually get access to that. But it actually is so popular that and enough people want to go do this and talk about it globally and cyber is becoming such a big thing that there's uh, they've spilled over into Europe. So there's actually going to be a European symposium uh, on this, the first one ever. And so for the, our folks that we have you know, from Europe or want to fly there and you have an excuse to actually you know, do a conference over there, it's going to be in Germany in, in, in March, in like late March, March 21st. Uh, and there's usually some really good topics there. Some of them are very esoteric, like Android malware analysis or whatever. But a lot of times there's also some really good stuff. So it's, I think it's a good balance. If you like that kind of stuff on the Android side, you'll, you'll get it. If you like to look at larger and more macro things, you'll see that too. So the uh, the next one after that is occurring in April. So, oh, by the way, the 37th IEEE is in uh, May in San Jose. And uh, the next one is the Cyber and Information Security Research Conference, and that's going on uh, April fifth in Tennessee. Uh, Bob, did you do you want to talk anything about what what's going to be there? Uh, I actually I liked this one only because it's actually going to be at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. So just I think if you attend it, you'll be smart just because you'll be around a bunch of other smart people uh, that are going to be there, and they're they're going to be talking about some more more interesting technical things related to cyber than than you're going to get at something like RSA. So this I think is a good counterbalance to if you if you've attended RSA, this might be good to go to this one just so you have like that whole balance in your life for cyber. Definitely. There's there's another one though uh, coming up. It's the I, and I can't believe this one either. It's the fifteenth anniversary of Weiss. Wow! So the workshop of economics and information security. Uh, we had some yeah. we we had some podcast guests who've been on that who've been there before, presented there before. Uh, you know, this year the submissions are still open, so I just would encourage folks to go there. Uh, the the docket was great last year. We actually covered some of it, I, I think, on, on the podcast. And yeah. you know, just please, you know, like if you can go to this, I, I would suggest you do too, because like you you will learn a lot. And, or, and you will contribute a lot to there too. And it's in uh, Berkeley in California, so it might be local to some of the uh, San Francisco peeps out there. Right. Um, there's there's a couple other ones. So there's one another one in London. So this is the Cyber SA, so Cyber Situational Awareness. Uh, this is you know, bringing together gov and private sector together to basically look at various aspects of cyber that you might not uh, otherwise. So this is situational awareness and, and awareness in general. Plus, they do a lot about data analytics and have been doing that for, for previous years, too. So uh, there's a, it's very data driven. Unfortunately, if you want to see the proceedings, it's paywalled. But if you've got nothing else to do in June and want to go to London, I think that's a great opportunity. Yeah. And then after that, we've got Usenix, the 25th Usenix Security Symposium. That's usually, it's fairly big. I mean, they have a lot of individual tracks, a lot of things going on there. So that's another, it's a little bit more academically uh, driven, but it's a good mix. It's a good mix of academia and non-academia. Yeah, and the proceedings are from last year's are available, and it's in, and that's actually representative of the kinds of previous years as well too. So if you've never been to it or heard it, take a look at that. We have a link to it, um, and you might get a lot out of it uh, if if you if you attend that one too. 
Uh, there's Syracon. We don't have a date for Syracon because we just don't yet. It's going to be probably sometime in the September, October, November timeframe. Uh, but we would be remiss to not have a con that we usually are at and help run yeah. as well too there. So I think that's a pretty good. And so if you don't know what SierraCon is after listening to our podcast, go to societyinforisk.org and and you'll know everything you need to know about that. Yep. And remember, there's links to other lists of conferences as well to some academic, uh, just some general. And you know it'd be a great way for you to or help organize your schedule for the rest of the year. And just to kind of wrap this up here a little bit, oh, we didn't mention B-sides, by the way. Uh, there's the B-sides in Las Vegas has a ground truth track uh, that's usually pretty good, but then there's all sorts of security B-sides events all over. Uh, and those are, you know, hit or miss how data-driven they are, but they're always uh, always fun. Absolutely. So one last thing I want to point out is, you know, all these conferences, I remember a couple of years ago talking to people about how there's not enough research going on in security. There's not enough, you know, if we only had data like actuarials and stuff like that. And and I think that those those are so so far behind us at this point. What I've realized is that there's already a lot of good research out there and there's a lot of really good research going on. And they're going on at these types of symposiums and workshops and conferences. And it's just a matter of getting out and finding out what they are because the research is out there and the insight is out there. And I think you just got to go out and attend some of these things and experience it for yourself. Agreed. Yeah, this the, this is... The, we have no shortage of data. We have no shortage of, of of tools to use. We have no shortage of research that we can build off of. I think it's a great time to be doing you know, anything data-driven in security now. All right. Well, let's wrap this up, Bob. Thank you for joining me for episode 25. Same here, Jay. Uh, talk to you next time. Yeah.